0: well. So this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter four, uh, and we're going to dig into uh, Jesus really giving his first set of parables to us. So let me ask you, how many of you plant a garden each year? How many of you planted a garden for the first time last year because you thought that it could be the end of the world? We increase the size of ours, okay? And and I know others um, trying to get different things. You couldn't find certain items at the stores, like you couldn't find mason jars because everybody all of a sudden decided that they were going to can uh, because they didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. Well, we don't even know what's going to happen in 2021. Um, but I don't know about you, but we're already starting that thought process of, of what we're going to do. So last year, um, we had a problem always in our garden with grass and weeds growing up through it, thistles growing up through it. So we uh, bought, uh, we made boxes and put them, uh, raised them up in, in our garden garden, and uh, Teresa, she's already uh, getting stuff ready so she can start planting her seeds now uh, to where they're ready to go into the garden once uh, uh, spring ever actually gets here. But, you know, when when it comes time um, to uh, the the spring, we start thinking, you know, we start getting those 50 degree days and we get a 65 degree day and we're ready to go. Uh, And and we start thinking about sowing and, and, and planting our seeds and what that looks like. And, 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 something interesting I want to share with you. Um, How many of you uh, think and believe that GPS uh, navigation was developed by Google and car systems? No. Does anybody know where it actually came from? From the farmers. Uh, Well, okay, the military. They had it first. But um, beyond them, because um, they they got it from the aliens. um, uh, uh, So, Farmers were the ones that really used uh, GPS systems. Like right now, if you go out, uh, if you, especially if you go out west, the tractors, they drive themselves. Okay, we're scared about, you know, little cars driving themselves, but they have tractors that you just line it up and it goes and then you turn around at the end of the row, and then it goes again. And it, And it's precise to make sure that you're not missing rows, and, and you have cameras, and, and you have all kinds of systems set up in the tractors with big monitors to tell you, hey, you missed some right there. Um, there's where your yield is getting better or lower. Um, And again, there's still farmers out there um, that they still use the hand-drawn plows, um, you know, horses to to plant and all of this. But in Jesus' time, farmers used a unique method for sowing. So let's look at Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. This is the setting. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. A very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on. The land. So Jesus had been teaching there in the synagogue. He had been going around. Um, he had actually went out on a little bit of a preaching journey that we talked about. And then he comes back to the same area of Capernaum. Um, and, and so the, the crowd was so large, some commentators say that this crowd could have been uh, somewhere around 10,000 people that had gathered to hear Jesus teach. And there was no way, they didn't have the mic systems and everything, but they had uh, the amplifier was the hill and the water behind him. So he just got in a boat, put out just a little ways, and then was able to teach to the crowd, and everyone was able to hear him. Now, I love the fact that, you know, we already are seeing Jesus teaching in many different ways. To the different people He's teaching different ways, and and I, I, I love that, and that's something that we can take to heart as well. You see, Jesus used different messages, methods, I'm sorry, Jesus used different methods, but the message never changed. He used many different methods, but the message never changed, and we must be willing to do so as well. What, what worked some time ago may not work today. I, I mean, I remember when, when I was in Bible college, um, many of the things that we were taught, we would look at it today and go, there's no way that that would work. And, and whether it be the song choices or, or the way in which we do service, the way that we do sermons, you know, it, 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 everything has changed. How many of you have ever had someone recently, in recent memory, come and knock on your door with a pamphlet to share the message of Jesus Christ that wasn't a Latter-day Saint or wasn't a Jehovah Witness. Doesn't happen, does it? One, one family actually has had that happen. Most of the time, that doesn't happen anymore because people, they, they want to sit in their backyards and they, they have their, their, their privacy fence all around them. D- don't come to me. You know, we don't just sit out on our front porch anymore and, and talk to our neighbors. Now, when our neighbor walks by, we just scowl at him, right? Like, why are you looking at me? Like, everything has changed. The way that we do ministry has changed. The methods has changed. But here's the thing. The message of who Jesus is has never changed. And so we must emphasize the importance of loving our. Neighbors, We must emphasize the importance of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in many different facets. So this crowd is so massive that Jesus decided he was going to jump in the boat and he, he sat down. And it was common for teachers to sit while teaching. And the crowd was fanned out um, on this hillside. And it was just a natural amphitheater for Jesus to teach to them. Look at verse 2. And he was teaching them many things in parables now the word parable means to to throw something beside something else it has the idea of placing two things together in order to teach a spiritual truth that's what jesus was trying to do he wanted to take things of this earthly world and he wanted to give it a spiritual meaning you know parables are are like spiritual and mental time bombs They're designed to be unforgettable and then to explode into meaning for those who are serious about listening to the Lord. Jesus teaches approximately in 35 different parables found in the Gospels. Jump down to verse 10 for a second. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Again, I, I love, love what Jesus does here. So what Jesus does is he teaches publicly, but he explains privately. That's exactly what we need to be doing. Listen, we gather together and we teach and we preach publicly just like this, where we all gather together, but you don't really get to interact and ask a lot of questions during my sermons, right? But that's where Bible studies really come into play. That's where our men's groups, our women's groups, our our, our 11 o'clock Bible study, um, all of our our life groups, that's where we can really take these words and and just break them down and really focus in on, on what Jesus was trying to say and what the Bible is trying to teach us. So in order for us to truly grow, that's what we really need to focus on. Look at verses 11 and 12. Jesus gives two purposes for the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So what do these parables do? The first thing they do is they reveal. If someone is open, they will understand the the secret of the kingdom of God. That's important. That There was a little bit of a hidden meaning here because Jesus wanted these people to truly want to dig in, to truly want to understand exactly what was being said. So one of the things that these parables do is they reveal. Secondly, they conceal. If someone is closed and and hardened, and and I thought Jared again did in excellent job with this last week when he was talking about people hardening their hearts and and what that looks like. Um, That's exactly what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. When you completely harden yourself off and you say, there is no God, and you take those attributes of God and you say, oh, that was the devil's work. And you don't give God the due, the Holy Spirit, his do that 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 was what jared was trying to drive home and he talked so much about that about the hardening of our hearts and we have to make sure that we don't do that so if we want to truly understand the gospel we need to be open to it verse 13 tells us that if we understand this parable we will be understand we will be able to understand all of the other parables and he said to them do you not understand this parable How then will you understand all of the parables? What Jesus was saying is, hey, it's time to listen up. It's time to dig in. It's time to to focus on what is really happening here. If you want to understand what Jesus is teaching, we have to just stop and pay attention. Lean in to this message. You know, fortunately for us, we don't have to guess about the meaning because he breaks it down for us, and and that's really awesome. Verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. Now, now most parables have one overall meaning with lots of other applications, and after reading and rereading this parable, this is the statement that, that I came up with for you here today. When you go and sow, the kingdom of God will grow. When you go and sow, the kingdom of God will grow. If we truly want to see the kingdom of God grow, we better get to work. The harvest, Jesus says, is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's up to us. It's up to me, and it's up to each and every one of you to dig into the word, to understand it, and then go out and share it with those that are around you. So look at verse three, listen, it's Jesus' words, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So Jesus wants them and us to lean in and to listen. That, I mean, he just, listen, I, I mean, have you, have you ever seen the, 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 the video of the little kid that, that, listen, 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 Linda, listen, like that's the favorite word in our house at like everybody's a Linda in our house. Yes, yes. Listen, listen, Linda, listen. Jesus says, Linda, listen. Lean in and listen to what he has to say. That's what we've been called to do. Perhaps Jesus even saw a farmer in the crowd and he points him out and he points to the sower sowing while he is teaching. He sees the sower. He could even see a farmer in one of the distant fields right there. So a farmer somewhat like we would spread grass seed today, would just have a pouch hanging and he would take the seed and he would just kind of throw the seed out. That, that's just what he would do. The farmer's goal was to get his good seed into the soil where it would grow and, and then it would have seed for life and it would com- continually replenish itself. The, that was the farmer's goal. And what we see here is if we keep reading through chapter 4, we have the parable of the mustard seed, because what we see is if you see that the seed of, of, of grass is extremely small, just like the seed of, of, of a mustard tree. Verse 30 says, and he said, with what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. But here's the thing it has to be planted it has to be sown. And that's what I want us to do. So as we walk through this passage, here's how we're going to proceed. This is what we're going to do. We're going to study each individual soil that Jesus lays out in verses 4 through 8. But then we're also, with each soil, going to jump down to verses 15 through 20. And we're going to see how Jesus ties each soil to a different soul type. So let's break down these four soils that are laid out for us. Number one, the soil of a hard heart. Look at verse four. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Now fields in Israel were small and were separated from one another by paths that that became like concrete. All of the people walking it, the animals walking on it, it became extremely hard. And the seed that hit this ground would, would just lie there the birds would come and they would gobble it up. In our culture, it would be like just throwing some grass on the sidewalk. Some of that grass is going to grow up in the cracks, right? (laughs) I mean, if you have a sidewalk, you know what I'm talking about. But if it lands on the solid concrete, absolutely nothing happens, right? That's what we see here. This is how Jesus interprets it. Look at verse 15. And these are the ones along the path Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. The phrase takes away, it means to seize with force. It's exactly what the devil wants to do to us. He wants to seize us with force. Notice that he does this also immediately. Satan loves to bring confusion and to cause callousness when the gospel is communicated. So let me ask you, are there any hard hearts here today? Obviously, none of us are going to say yes. But when we really get down to it, is there a hardening that is happening in our hearts? Are Are we becoming cold? Are we becoming calloused? Have the feet of others just beat you into a hard place that you feel like parts of your life have become like concrete have you been trampled on do you have protracted pain is there bitterness that is growing up in your life have you been burned by the past have you been burned by the church Have you locked away your hearts in a vault? Be extremely careful about allowing your heart to become truly hardened. We need to go and we need to sow so the kingdom of God can grow. Be careful with the hard heart. Number two, a hollow heart. Look at verses five through six. Other seed fell on rocky ground. Where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. And that part of the world, much of the land was solid rock with just a very small layer of topsoil. And here's the thing when I went to Israel, I read in the Old Testament that they just, they seemed to build altars out of rocks everywhere. It seemed like wherever they went, there were rocks, right? I I don't know about you, but when I go to my backyard, there's not just rocks laying around that I could just pick them up without digging them up. But when we were in Israel, there were rocks everywhere. I mean, it was just like a rock field. And and so it's completely different than a lot of the soil from around here. But when we really break this down and, and, and dig into this, there was a lot of rocks, a little bit of topsoil. The seed was thrown. It would land on some of this rocky area, and immediately it would just shoot up. It would germinate extremely quickly because it's, it's warm, it's hot, the air is moist. A little bit of topsoil, it would germinate extremely quickly. But because there was no root system, as soon as that scorching heat would burn down on it, it would immediately wither up. See, when these people hear the message, they become very emotional, exuberant because they've heard the message, and because of their uh, emotional enthusiasm, their roots didn't go down very deep. Look at verse 17, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. You know, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of churches out there today that they pray on just the emotions. They get you all worked up to hear the gospel, and they get you to accept who Jesus is, but there's no depth. And some of these churches, they... They get you to make um, a a commitment, and they say, hey, everything's going to go great for you. I I like to call it the convenient Christianity because this person likes the idea of forgiveness. They love the idea of going to to heaven, and really not the idea of going to heaven, but they get a a get-out-of-hell pass. They they have fire insurance, some people call it. And we love fire insurance. I love fire insurance. I'll tell you right now, I don't want to go to hell. But more importantly than not going to hell, when I read about heaven, like that's where I want to be. And so we have all of these people that, you know, that they want God's favor in their life. But the very moment that hardships come their way, the very moment that as Jesus talks about persecution and tribulation comes their way, they run for the hills. Because there's no depth there. There's no maturity. And again, I want to get back to this point. We need to make sure that, that while we are growing and we're meeting and we're, we're having these great public meetings, that privately we're also growing as well. That, that we are continuing to learn about Jesus and asking the questions that are on our hearts that we can truly, fully understand. Listen, Christianity is not about sustaining some sort of emotional high. It's about knowing the Savior. You know, David talked a lot about that. If you read through the Psalms, man, and you read through David's life, it was like he was bipolar sometimes. He had emotional highs where he was just whoosh. He was up here. And then if you keep reading, I mean, he's down here. Uh, he is in the valley. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why was he able to say that? Because he had a solid, firm foundation called Jesus Christ. Well, he had God. He, we have Jesus Christ. But he had God in his corner. And he had that Solid, firm foundation. And that's what you and I, we must have. Because if we only look for the spiritual high, man, we're going to be let down. When we go through those valleys, and here's the thing, we're promised the valleys. It's not if. James says, when you face trials and temptations of many kinds. We will go through them. Would you notice that Jesus, again, doesn't say if trouble or persecution comes. He says when it comes. The word trouble in in some is tribulation. It means to crush, to press, to squeeze, to break. That's what Satan wants to do to us. He wants to break us but if we have a solid firm foundation in Jesus there's nothing better i want you to listen to what we read in john chapter 6 verse 66 from that time on many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more so jesus huge huge crowds like we're talking about here in mark chapter 4 thousands of people were following jesus everywhere he went and while he has all of these huge crowds of people following him, he turns around and he's like, why are you following me? Why exactly are you here? And many of them went, we're out because we ain't picking up our cross and we're not carrying it. No way. I, I know what that means. Again, all over Israel, when, he, when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, there were people that they may have even seen hanging on a cross at that very moment. Okay, so that had real meaning for them. And many of them turned and walked away. When we keep reading this, this verse, what Peter has to say, Jesus says, Do you want to go away as well? He turns and he looks at those 12 guys. And he says, Everybody else is walking away. What about you? You believe in me as well? I love it. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do we believe that? Do we believe that today? Are we able to say what Peter said? To whom shall we go? Now, again, Peter was another one of those guys. He had his ups and downs, didn't he? He, he had a lot of really awesome lines that he says, but he also uh, opened his mouth and inserted his foot on many occasions. But you know what? Jesus never gave up on him. It reminds me that he never gives up on me either. That no matter what's going on in my life, he is with me every step of the way we need to be committed we need to focus in on repentance dying to self that's what we've been called to do for some of you maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and it's time to give it over to him today that's what we need to make sure that we are understanding that that we don't just have a hollow heart. that we grow up we spring quickly and then we just kind of fade away. Then we come to the third soil, a hindered heart. This seed falls on the third kind of soil that's been choked out by weeds. Jesus describes it this way in verse 7. He says, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Now, now the word choked means to choke utterly, the, the, the seed is strangled by thorns and thistles and ends up producing no produce. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to grow a garden when it's full of weeds? I mean, it's hard. And, and you try to get in there, and, you, and, and again, even last year, we built the boxes, and we still had thistles coming up. It's like, where did these come from? Like, what, what are Lord, are you trying to teach me something? Obviously, he was getting me ready for this lesson right here. A year in advance, he was getting me ready. But when we, when we think about that, I mean, it's, it, it's difficult to try to grow a garden when there's thistles and there's weeds growing up in and amongst it and you're really not for sure what, what, what's a weed and, and what's a flower and, and, and what has good grain on it. And, and uh, if you read what, what Jesus says in Matthew, he talks about the tares and, and the good uh, seed that's going to grow up with the tares in it. And, and he, he makes it very clear. Don't try to pull them apart because you'll just pull the good uh, with it. Let it all grow up. Take the tares, get rid of them, and then get the good as well. Here's how Jesus interprets this soil. Verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and The desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I want to break this down just a little bit in this hindered heart from being converted. Jesus talks about the worries of life. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been a lot of things to worry about recently, haven't there? I mean, there's a lot. Should I mask? Should I not mask? Should I wear two masks? Should I wear three masks? Should I wear a face shield because it's going to get in my eyes? Um, what's going to happen in this world? Uh, we had all of the change in the government and, and maybe this—maybe we're in the seven years of tribulation and we're waiting on the rapture and, and, and what millennial view are you? Again, if you ask me, I'm a pan-millennialist, it's all going to pan out in the end, okay? Focus on Jesus, Focus on knowing that he could come back at any time. If you focus on that right there, that's all you have to focus on. But the worries of this life, anxiety. I don't know about you, but I see an uptick in anxiety across this nation. Finally, in 2020 and 2021, I'm actually hearing it talked about, not as some stigma that people struggle with. But it's real. This person is so caught up with the cares and concerns that they can't focus on faith. Then there's the deceitfulness of wealth. To be deceived means to be seduced. that's exactly what the love of money can do to us. First Timothy chapter six verse 17 says, "Not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of, of riches." G. Campbell Morgan believed that persecution is Satan's second best weapon. Number one, materialism. And then there's the desires for other things. Now the phrase other things can be translated as lusting for all the rest. In each one of our contracts, we have a whole list of duties that we have. But there's one last point in each one of our contracts at the church, and it says other duties as assigned. This would be the same exact thing here. Well, we've talked about anxiety and the worries of, of this life. We've talked about the deceitfulness of wealth. And then Jesus says, and everything else. The lusts of this world. We need to be extremely careful. Luke eight fourteen defines it this way, the pleasures of life. You see, God's word cannot thrive and survive in a hindered heart. Proverbs 27 verse 20 says, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. The apostle Paul had a so-called brother in Christ bail on him, revealing that in actuality, because he had a hindered heart, if we go to Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, we read, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Is your heart hindered right now? It can be fixed. It truly can. But we have to lay all of the cares and the worries and All of the lusts of this world, we have to lay it at the foot of the cross. And some of you are worried that you're not going to be able to deal with that right now. You're anxious because I told you not to be anxious. (laughs) Listen, I joke about it, but I have two daughters who struggle mightily with anxiety. It's something that is very real in our house. They are medicated. They need it, and it helps them, and it helps them to be able to work through life. So if you're worried and concerned, oh, I can't go on medicine because of what people might think, it's okay. It's okay to be not okay. Jesus says, just don't let it overtake your life. Lay all of those cares at the foot of the cross and I'll help you. I'll work with you. I'll walk with you through it all. Number four, a humble heart. There's only one kind of soil that produces a crop as seen in verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The, the the good ground was not hard. It wasn't hollow. It wasn't hindered. If a farmer during that time had a harvest that was seven times what was sown, it would be called a good crop. But here's the thing. Jesus says, it's not just seven times, it's 30 times. It, it's just not 30 times, it's 60 times. It's not just 60 times, it's 100 times what was sown. Man, that's a crop. That's a bumper crop that they call. I... I that's the soil that we want to make sure that we are planted in notice that the the four notice the four words that show a continuous kind of action they produced and they multiplied when you go and grow the kingdom of god will grow when you grow i'm sorry when you go and sow the kingdom of god will grow I can almost see Jesus smiling as he reads verse or as he as he says what we are going to read in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and hundredfold. The word good refers to that which is excellent and beautiful. This is the good soil that that we need to find ourselves in. Humble-hearted people hear and accept and bear fruit. Luke 8.15 says that this person keeps the word and bears fruit with patience. If you truly want to bear good fruit, it's going to be patient. And here's the thing, it's also going to be painful because there's also sometimes pruning that has to happen in order for that good fruit to truly happen. We have to allow Jesus to help us in these steps. Fruit-bearing is the mark of a disciple according to Jesus in John chapter 15 verse 8. But this is my but this my father is glorified by this, my father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see, when we are faithful, we will bear fruit. We will be fruitful. So how do we bring all this together? How how do we make this apply into our lives? I want you to go back and look at verse 9. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's something very important that we all need to really focus on. We all have ears, right? But are we using them? He who has ears, let him hear. One of the key keys to living the christian life is to never stop listening to the lord never stop growing prune some of those branches back allow the harvest to continue i know some of you have said well um, i'm mature in my faith and and i've hit my i've hit my 50s and i hate to think about that i'm not too far away from that time I've hit my 60s, I've hit my 70s, and I'm just going to retire. I, I, I retired from work, so I'm going to retire from work in the church too. No, 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 no. We're going to get our rest, but not yet. We need to focus. We need to make sure that we are bearing fruit all of our lives. I, I just have a couple of things to really... Bring all of this together. The first thing that I want to make sure that we understand is it's always a bit scary to sow the seed. If you are the farmer and you're going to be sowing the seed, it can be a little scary. When when a farmer sows his seed, he's putting grain into the ground instead of feeding his family. And, And here's the thing, when we do that very thing, we can't do anything until it germinates we can't do anything until it's time for it to actually grow up farmers know what it means to live by faith psalm 126 verses 5 through 6 says those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy he who goes out weeping bearing the seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy bringing his sheaths with him Growing up on a farm and and talking to to many farmers, sometimes it's it's hard to just let the seed do its work. And you never know, especially you know, in the Midwest, all of the rain that comes and goes and, and, and fields get flooded out all the time and and so when you get out there, am I planning it at the right time? Is there, going to be enough? Um, is there going to be enough rain? Is there going to be too much rain? What's going to happen? And We have to be willing to just live by faith. There are there a hundred things to worry about when you sow the seed. But you have to live by life and, or live by faith and, and allow God to work in you every step of the way. It's scary, but we're still called to sow. Number two, a small percentage of what is planted actually grows to maturity. You say, Travis, I, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, it's exactly what Jesus says here. If, if we look at this, the seed was sown and thrown onto many different areas, but only one of them grew. If you're worried, oh, what's, what, 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 what ground did I fall on? If you're asking that question, then you're in the right place. If you're asking the question of what ground you're on, you're finding yourself in the right place. Don't despair. Just keep sowing. Keep growing. Keep smiling. Keep serving the Lord. And then the last one Keep sowing that seed. Never, never stop. Please, continue to sow the seed. The seed will germinate when it hits the prepared heart. Travis, I've been rejected so many times, I, I, I don't know if I can handle it anymore. Keep sowing. You may be rejected a hundred times, but that 101st time, somebody may come to know the Lord. That's what we've been called to do. We're going to take this opportunity to take communion. And if you haven't received your communion, we have um, the individual cups they are in the back on either side or on the sides over here. And I encourage you, if you don't have it, send someone from your family to go get it. Um, They're very simple. You just pull the top layer back. There's a piece of of bread there and then there's juice underneath of it. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to take communion. And as we prepare to take communion, I want you to think about what these emblems mean. Jesus gave his life for you. His body was broken. You know, I've been studying the Holy Week. I've been studying the Last Supper and what took place. And while it was very similar to a Passover meal, Jesus didn't look at the lamb that was on the table and, and talk about the lamb. He actually talked about the bread because it was what was going to be used for the rest of time. And he says, this is my body that is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the juice and as the cup is passed, he says, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. And we remember today what Jesus went through. What he did for us on the cross. He died for us. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to bring your word. I thank you that you have helped us to truly see your first parable being taught and and the explanation that we get to have today. Lord, that we will sow the seed constantly. And if the seed is being sown in our hearts right now, that we will have that prepared heart to truly accept the word. And if there is someone here this morning that needs to accept your faith, that you will be with them, that they will give their life over to you, that they will repent, that they will ask for forgiveness. Lord, we're excited for Caleb who is about to give his life Uh, and has given his life and is going to be baptized and going to have his sins completely washed away. Lord, we thank you for that. And so, Father, as we prepare to take communion, that, that we will remember that sacrifice that you made for us. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.